Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. It is a beautiful Monday. I know it's Monday. Red beans and rice day. You know why Monday's red beans and rice day. I'm, I'm sure there are a lot of theories out there. And, and maybe my understanding of red beans and rice day being a Monday is just one of the theories out there. But I, I, I always um, was told that Monday became red beans and rice day because it takes a long time to cook red beans. I mean, the way we do it, it takes a long time. You put on the red beans, you put on the beans, and then they just cook for a long time. And then at some point you take the top off and uh, let it let it, let them cream, become creamy. Um, so red beans take a long time to cook. So women years ago could put the red beans on the stove and the red beans are dinner's going to be cooking all day while she's doing laundry because Monday was laundry day. And, you know, even back then people had fun on the weekends. So the dirty laundry piled up on the weekend and you had to do laundry on Monday. Anyway, that's my understanding. Hey, LSU won uh, 49-39 over Missouri. LSU moved up uh, a tick on the, uh, the the rankings. LSU was 4-2. Uh, Jaden uh, Daniels, uh, just amazing. Um, you know, LSU looked really good. I, w- I was excited. Now, they didn't look so good in the beginning, and I, I, I told you Friday I was kind of concerned about the Tigers going up there, but, boy, they did a great job. I was also concerned about the Saints and the Patriots. The Saints went up there and shut out the Patriots 34-0. The Saints are 3-2. and two. So this is great, and it was great to see uh, the Honey Badger, who last year I nicknamed Honey Bun because he was really kind of soft and, you know, kind of soft and warm. And anyway, it was, it was great to see him get that interception, and it was a, was a pick six. So um, I'm, I'm glad they kept Mac Jones in because he's a terrible, you know, he, I, again, great potential, but uh, a bad quarterback, and it was great to see the Saints uh, do a good job. And Derek Carr was in sync, and Michael Thomas, and Chris Olave, and uh, – Alvin Kamara did some really great running. So you'll hear more about that. It's the second guest show live from the Silver Slipper Casino with uh, Mike Dettelier and the Cajun Cannon, Bobby Aver. That's coming up at 4 o'clock. I'm Scoot on the air. Uh, glad you're with us. And remember, don't be down. It's it's Monday, but it's going to be Friday before you know it. So just try to appreciate this day. All right, let's go to Gulfport and Michael. You're on WWL. Good afternoon. Hey, Scoot. This is Michael, first-time listener. I wanted to say I really appreciated playing the uh, Carpenters. Or I'm wait, a little on the younger side being wait, 29. Wait, you're, so. you're a first-time listener? Yeah. So that would make you a first-time caller? That, that, that too, yes. Okay, well, you know, we give special treatment to first-time callers. <laughs> special recognition. Oh, uh, <laughs> so, look, Michael, I appreciate you calling. Yeah, you know, we do uh, we do attract a, a lot of long, younger um, listeners, and always happy to have you. So I uh, feel like you're uh, mm-hmm. definitely part of the show, and you're not alone. Hey, well, I mean, I appreciate that. And I hadn't been listening for too long. I was uh, started listening earlier today, but I, I appreciate you guys' commentary. It's really nice. And, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I never uh, got uh, I never got to see them live since I was a bit younger, but I grew up on my father's 45, so I always did enjoy their music. Cool. So I, uh, I just wanted to chime in a little bit about the uh, earlier uh, – uh, the talk a little earlier about the conflict of the Gaza Strip. And I, I know it's probably been talked about quite a bit throughout the rest of the day, and like I'm not a Scientolo- sorry sociologist nor an agnotologist, so it might be a bit ill-advised for me to 
you know, no, comment listen, in depth about the history. Oh, your, yeah. your opinions are based on on what you've what you've learned, what you've been exposed to, and it's always interesting to hear somebody's opinion of something. So um, let it rip. I mean, I appreciate appreciate that. Yeah, like what I was saying uh, was wanting to say though about it is that I'm really just concerned about like the potential, uh, like being the. My apologies. Like I'm worried about some of the how people will view their neighbors as time goes on. Uh, time goes on. Like the thing is, I have several of my friends who are second generational Palestinians, and even before this whole um full scale uh, full scale like escalation in the past couple of uh, a couple of times and a couple of days the they have experienced quite a bit of mistrust and misunderstanding and i'm just worried about that our fellow neighbors being mistrusted by our other fellow neighbors because it's like, at the end of the day we're all americans and Michael, I think you bring up a great point. And, you know, I get a lot of criticism because I, uh, I don't lump Muslims all into the same category. Uh, I, I try to be very careful about that. It's something we promote on this show. You know, everybody is not um, defined by the people uh, in, in, a, in a category, in a group that make it on the news. There's a reason they're on the news, and that doesn't define everybody in the group. And, and there are uh, too many people in America who want to uh, basically uh, paint all Muslims th- in the same way. And that's not fair. And it's not fair to paint all Jews or all Palestinians in the same way either. And I would, uh, I would hope that the, uh, the people here who have, um, who have heritage with uh, the Palestinians, I hope that uh, they would agree that any, any terrorist activity is, is, is wrong. Oh, yeah. No, and I agree with that. There's a lot of, a lot of people from... Palestine, from Palestine who are very much in agreement with uh, what you're saying because like the acts of hate uh, acts of hatred and pure violence are just bad in general it doesn't matter how you slice it and look this goes back so many thousands of years and I mentioned earlier when you've got the three main religions I mean there are other religions that are, 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 are big um, you know Buddhism and, and others but when you've got Christianity Judaism and Islam all founded in the same area, the same t- on the same Ugh. territory. Everybody feels like everybody else is on their their land. Yeah. Oh, and I agree with that. I just wanted to say it's like at the end of the de- uh, end of the day, it's like I just wish put my heart out for everybody and hope that try to be under uh, guesses just say try to be understanding of your local uh, of your fellow neighbor, no matter what their walk of life is. Hey, it's great. It's great advice, and you really uh, that was that was a, it's a great uh, great reason to call in, and I, I appreciate you being a first time listener and a, and a first time caller. And I hope you feel like you're a part of the show, and you'll uh, call us again sometime. Thank you. I might. You have right. a great day. All right. Thanks, Michael. You too. Young person listening to the show, I made a lot of sense. Uh, you know, you can't you you can't judge all Palestinians in 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 the same way as you judge Hamas. Um, you can't judge all. Um, all pedophiles you can't judge all um people who are, who are into child porn you, you can't judge them all the same way because the the stereotype of the person who's into child porn is a middle-aged white guy so what you want to say every middle-aged white guy's into, into into child porn i mean that's not fair to to you it's not fair to uh, to to a lot of you all right so i want to share with something i want to share something with you on the um scoot on the air rock culture calendar on this day in 1976 this was the number one song in the country. Walter Murphy and the Big Apple Band is the band that does it. 
This was 1976. The disco era was hot. The song is titled A Fifth of Beethoven. And (laughs) it is a disco version of the classic Beethoven's Fifth. Now, I mean, there's no other way to describe it. Disco version of Beethoven's Fifth. You know, back then they were turning everything into disco, including classical music. But this was the number one song in 76. Slaps. I think this was on the Saturday Night uh, Fever soundtrack. Damn right it was. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think it was. Anyway, so it kind of got me to uh, to thinking about instrumentals that became top hits. And we've had a number of instrumentals that become top hits. You know, I, I've always thought, you know, look, as long as you're going to write a song, man, put some words in it. You know, do, give me some lyrics. Give me some, give me some singing with it. Uh, the Hustle is essentially uh, an instrumental. But, you know, they had Do the Hustle. They had some, some lyrics in it. But I, I, I look back and, you know, many of the years that I spent in, in music radio uh, playing the hits, I, I played a lot of songs that were top hits that were instrumentals. Um, here's one. Uh, the, the Allman Brothers. Th- this was a, a huge hit for the Allman Brothers. Instrumental. No singing. You don't hear from nobody. Song is called Jessica. All right, so this hour we're going to feature instrumentals that were, were, were top hits. Again, you know, give me, I'm not really a big fan of the, the instrumentals, but I like lyrics. All right, so um, if you want to join us with a comment this afternoon, the Okanoid Jewelers talk and text line is 504-260-1870. So the um, Powerball jackpot, the Powerball jackpot is up to $1.55 billion. And it's, uh, it's huge. It's huge. Saturday night's numbers were 47, 54, 57, 60, 65, Powerball 19. Who would have picked those numbers? I mean, who would have made the smallest number 47 and gone from 47 to 65? I mean, somebody would have thrown in a 17 or a 2 or an 8 in there somewhere. So it just goes to show you how hard it is, is to win. So there's another... Powerball jackpot drawing. I'll have to go get a get a ticket just for the hell of it. So there is a new there's a new effort to find Nessie, the nickname for the Loch Ness monster. This is the first significant search in 50 years, and they're still looking for Nessie. More than a thousand years of Nessie sightings, no solid proof, but the legend continues. Do you think there is a Loch Ness Monster living in the murky waters of that lake in the Scottish Highlands? I think there is. I, don't, I mean, I, I, I see some pictures, and I see that picture that was taken back in 1934 where, you know, you get the, the, the head. It looks like a giant swan head and, and neck out of the water. I don't know what the hell that thing is. But it just seems like maybe there's, there's a Nessie. I, 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 I believe there's a Loch Ness Monster. But what about Bigfoot? Sometimes I watch these shows about uh, the search for Bigfoot. And I'm telling you, these people who go out there, they swear they've got the evidence that Bigfoot exists. I don't know. And then there's Yeti. You know, the abominable, uh, I guess Yeti and the abominable snowman, are they the same? Yeah, those are the same thing. Okay. Yeah. Do, do you think uh, Loch Ness Monster exists? No, I think uh, the the. I mean, it's just one lake. It's not even like that big of a lake. 
And they've they've looked at the lake and they've just done everything that they can do with the lake. Now the abominable snowman. I mean, you're talking about the entire like Himalayas. Yeah, I guess. The, that whole mountain range over there, all the Nepalese highlands and everything. I mean, then that that seems like there could even be like maybe more than one of them. Yeah, oh, and and Bigfoot the same. You think about the Pacific Northwest. Yep the the abominable snowman is just polar Bigfoot. Yeah. So, you, but you think there's one out there, uh, or yeah. maybe more than one? Yeah. You, I think, you, so. you think it's a Bigfoot out there? Same same deal, you know. It's it's got yeah. it's got a wide enough range, you know. We're all over the Wyoming or Montana, wherever I mean, they think they see it. If there's a creature it's much bigger than big, just one I mean, lake, you'd, you'd think that they'd find you know like some, you know some big poo poo from from the the animal. Some scat, I think, is yeah, the scientific I, term. Yeah, I, <laughs> yes, yes, I think that is <laughs> a little scat. Yeah, we find big poo poo. Yeah, I mean, the, the, I mean, the thing's got to eat stuff and you know go. Yeah. So you think that they would find that? So I don't know. I watch these shows and man, people like uh, they are so convinced that uh, they've got the evidence. And and you know, you're watching the show. It's always the same conclusion. They really don't know. But I I, I watch the shows. I don't know. What do you think? I mean, do you think there's really a, a Bigfoot? Do you think there's really a, a, an abominable snowman? And do you, and do you think there's a, a, a Loch Ness monster? The Oakland Heart Jewelers talking text line 504-260-1870. And also, California Governor uh, Gavin Newsom is vetoing a bill that would make free condoms available for all high school students in California. The only reason that he vetoed the bill is because of the cost. I mean, is this any way to fight, like, disease, offering free condoms to high school students? And do you think that if you offer free condoms to the students, it's going to make them do it more? All right, the Oakland Heart Jewelers talking text line 504-260-1870. All right, this was a number one song. On the Hot 100 charts, I remember playing this very early in my radio career. Love's Theme by the Love Unlimited Orchestra. And in 1974, this song hit number one. We're featuring top instrumentals that were, were, were top hits. And boy, this was one of them. All right, we'll come out of the break with a, another top instrumental. I'm Scoot, and we'll be back on WWL. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Remember this one? Man, this was a rockin' instrumental. This was a, this was a top song. Edgar Wintergrove, song is Frankenstein, number one in 1973. And, and you know, I remember, you know, as a, as a young DJ, I, I, re, I remember playing this song. And I, and I was thinking, come on, man, you can't come up with some lyrics? I mean, you can't just, like, you know, sing a little bit in there? I, I, again, I, you know, I'm not a big fan of the, the instrumental, but I have to admit that there were some instrumentals that were huge, uh, huge hits. And if you're just tuning in on this day in 1976, that song um, by Walter Murphy, um, A Fifth of Beethoven, was a disco version of Beethoven's Fifth. And everything was disco in 76 and in those years. 
and um, it was a, a number one song. So we just decided to uh, feature some of the uh, the top songs. They were instrumentals. I'm Scoot on the air. If you want to join us uh, on this Manic Monday, the Oakland Heart Jewelers talk and text line is 504-260-1870. So um, I, I was so glad. I mentioned this earlier. I was so glad to hear that uh, the Jets went into Denver and beat the Broncos 31-21. to The Broncos, now led by former Saints coach Sean Payton, the Broncos are 1-4. and And I'm okay with that. And you, you know the story. Uh, Sean Payton, before the season began, was talking about the last coach of the Broncos, um, Nathaniel Hackett. And Sean Payton apparently like did something that is like against protocol in, in the NFL. You just you just don't do this. But he bashed the previous coach and said something to the effect of that's the worst coach ever. Well, Nathaniel Hackett is on the coaching staff for the New York Jets. And apparently the team wanted to just really do it for their coach. So the Jets go into Denver and kick the Broncos ass 31 to 21. And I thought that was a pretty cool, uh, a pretty cool move. And, I, you know, I guess I'm kind of disappointed that Sean Payton kind of acted like he was, you know, bigger than everything and just the, the greatest. You know, if you are the greatest, you don't have to, to tell anybody. And it just seemed like he was uh, thinking, ah, oh, man, I got, I got this. I'm going to turn Russell Wilson into a star quarterback. And, and he might. I mean, look, this is his first year. So I, I understand that. But I don't know. I just I didn't feel good about the, the bashing of the, the, the coach. And apparently the team um, stood up for their, their, their coach. In fact, um, there was a player for the Jets who uh, was just he went on this F rant. F him, F them. And this uh, this player was just really calling out uh, Sean Payton for calling out the offensive coordinator of the Jets, uh, one of the worst um, in, in Broncos, uh, one of the worst coaches, uh, period. All right, also LSU beat Missouri. That was good. Uh, the Oakland Heart Jewelers talking text line, 504-260-1870. Let's go to Kenner and Mac. Mac, welcome to the show. Yeah, hey, Scoot. It's kind of ironic that you had this topic today. I'm an old fogey, and I go way back on it. instrumental music. Uh, I'm talking about back to Henry Mancini. Oh, and wow, yeah. A, a couple of his songs, The Baby Elephant Walk and a theme from Peter Gunn, which he did for our TV show. Oh, I re- were, theme from Peter Gunn was a, was a hit. I don't know how big a hit it, it, was, it was. It was a big hit. And there's actually a lyrical version of that that I found out about. Uh, I was telling Ian, a friend of mine, Phil Melanson, who used to be the piano player at the Pontchartrain Bar for years and years and years, has put together a tribute to Henry Mancini. And they kind of focused on more of the lyrical stuff. But they're playing at the Monkey Hill Bar event room. And I saw it Thursday night. It is absolutely great. So I'd highly recommend it. But I was thinking about Henry Mancini when you started uh, talking about – you know, yeah. the uh, music that was instrumental. But if you get you get a chance to play the theme from Peter Gunn, that's a great one. I'm going to look for that, Mac. I appreciate the call. Thanks for uh, thanks for being with us. Yeah, I want to mention also. I saw a wonderful world. Um, it's a it's a movie about uh, Louis Armstrong. I saw that at the Sanger a uh, Friday night, and I just I I can't tell you how great it was. I mean, I can't tell you. I just don't know how to describe it. It was just it was phenomenal. And as I said earlier, I, I don't think uh, I've seen a better. I, I'm, I'm thinking back on all the, the things that I've seen at the Sanger. And so really some great plays at the Sanger. I don't think I've, I've ever been more impressed with a play. I, I didn't know much about it going in. And the, the talent on that stage, the singing 
the tap dancing, the choreography, the costumes, the set, the, the, the set, the set changes were just phenomenal. And one thing that I love about live theater is that you really feel engaged as the audience. And that process takes place. You feel engaged because your imagination is part of the play. You know, they bring out a small, they bring out a couple of pieces of furniture to depict an entire room. And then they bring out another few pieces of furniture and depict something else completely. And so you have to use your imagination to make that an entire room. And so by using your imagination, you become emotionally involved in the, in the play itself. So it was just, I mean, it was a wonderful play, a wonderful world. I highly recommend it to you. It was amazing. And I, again, I just, I can't say enough about the talent on that stage. It is absolutely phenomenal. And the guy who is Louis Armstrong, I don't, I don't have his name in, in, I don't have his name in front of me. I think I have it back in my office. Um... He sounds like Louis Armstrong. And Louis Armstrong loved the ladies, loved his marijuana. I mean, you don't see a lot of marijuana smoking on, on stage, but he, he, there's a lot of reference to it. He, he liked, his, uh, liked his ganja. But I got to tell you, it was, uh, it was great. I recommend it highly. Then after that, I, I went, over to, um, went over to the Ritz and saw uh, Jeremy Davenport, and that was, uh, that was cool. So it was a nice, uh, nice night. That Saturday, I would have loved to have been in Depeche Mode, but I, I had a commitment to be part of the um, Who's Got Talent talent show uh, sponsored by um, Kelly Kicking Cancer. And it's a, a great organization that does this gala every year. And everybody in there, everybody in there did just a phenomenal job. And uh, Lieutenant Governor Billy Nungesser was um, uh, next to me on the, the, the panel of judges. Um, also, uh, Vince Vance was there. He's always uh, a little crazy. Um, Bernie Cyrus uh, was there, a name that many of you know. And um, yeah, it was it was it was great, and the the talent was was phenomenal. It was very very hard to select a winner, but I think the person who won uh, deserved to win. But that was just a great event. Then ended up at uh, Gretna Fest yesterday. Did just a, a quick shout on my Facebook page from uh, Gretna Fest, and the Temptations were on stage. And if you get a chance to see the Temptations go because even though they've lost a few members over the years because they've passed away the the temptations it, it it sounds like the temptations and it's not easy to do that many harm that many parts of harmony together and they i mean from from baritone to uh soprano they were amazing and the crowd there was great cool in the gang and Leonard Skinner and, the, you know, the Gretna Fest, they had a great lineup. And the Gretna Police and uh, Jefferson Parish Police and the organizers of, of Gretna Fest, everybody did a, a phenomenal job again. All right, let's go to uh, James on the North Shore. Hey, James, welcome to the show. Hey, Scoot, man, thanks for having me on again today. So I was um, I wanted to call first and kind of warn people something I saw last Thursday when I was over by Ottoman Park coming um, back from appointment. I stopped there. I was going to take a walk through the park, and when I was sitting in my truck praying, all of a sudden I heard this loud noise, and I look over, and it was a oak, live oak coming down right in the middle of the park. It was between Magazine and the zoo. Oh, wow. And, I mean, it was like a building falling. I it, it was so loud, and I screamed because it was just so loud. It's one of the things when you see it, you can't help it. What the? And so you I know, and I, I, I guess that's part of the, uh, the, the, the heat wave that we had this summer. 
Yeah, there was a little bit of weather that came through last week, and they got some more weather coming through this week. So I just want to warn people, if you're in the park, you're not going to outrun this. You've got to be careful under them trees, man. We love them. We love being next to them and near them. But be careful, because I swear, when I seen that fall, fall, falling down, you just could not run it. You know, me and the jogger went over there real quick to make sure there wasn't no one over there, even though, you know, I, I'm pretty much saw there wasn't no one. You still just, there could have been an animal or something over there. So we ran over there, no one was over there, nothing was under it. Well, it's nice that you went to uh, to, to check, James. That's a great uh, that's a great warning. Uh, when this weather kicks up uh, Wednesday, we've got this uh, system coming, this uh, tropical system coming from the Pacific, crossing Mexico. And even though Mexico's got a lot of mountains, it's still going to kind of hold together enough to just be a, a system. It's it's not going to bring us like you know. Uh, tropical force winds. I mean, I think there might be some wind gust uh, along the coast, maybe up to 50 miles an hour. So if you're uh, if you're in any any of this weather and it's really windy, uh, just be be aware of the fact that trees uh, trees can fall, and we've had some uh, big trees that have been very very old uh, fall. All right, in talking about instrumentals that were were top hits, this is the, this was the song. Now remember, the Beatles 1964. The Beatles were huge. 1964, first year introduced to America. The Beatles were big. This song reached number four on the Hot 100 chart. And it was from our own New Orleans, Al Hurt. song is called uh, Java, number four in uh, 1964. All right, um, a couple of more really big um, instrumentals that were, were, were top hits. Um, one from a, a TV show, it's, it's been used. It, it wasn't the theme of the TV show, but it was used by a character in, in the TV show. And then another one from a, a movie that has a very uncomfortable theme. I'm Scoot. We'll get to that when we come back on WWL. Remember this instrumental? Dueling banjos. Number two in 1973. Hit number two. This was from the movie Deliverance. And ever since I saw that movie, I've never felt the same about banjo picking. You know why that movie was so scary? Because it could happen. It was so believable. It was so relatable that you could just go on this innocent canoe trip down a river through a very rural area of America. And something like that might happen. And I'll tell you what, Ian, if you and I take a canoe trip down a river, I'm going to let you go up ahead, and um, I'll, I'll be behind you at some point. I'm not <laughs> you. <laughs> Good Lord. No, I mean, but that movie was, I think one of the reasons that that movie was just so so eerie and frightening is because it was it, it was very possible. It's something that people could relate to. You know, you know, a monster in space. Uh, that's the chances of that happening are really rather remote. Um, a, a guy in a, a ski mask with a chainsaw. That's that's pretty remote. But boy, something like Deliverance. I mean, that was plausible. Deliverance did for rafting what Jaws did for the beach. <laughs> exactly. Nobody wanted to go camping after that movie came out. Remember all the appearances that Chuck Mangione made on uh, King of the Hill? I mean, Chuck Mangione was always on, on King of the Hill, and uh, they were always playing this song. And this song hit number three on the charts in the Billboard Hot 100 chart in 1978. But yeah, Chuck Mangione was a, sometimes a recurring character on uh, King of the Hill. 
And this was uh, his big hit. Another song that I remember, you know, playing in my early years of radio. And then, look, before we run out of time, we we gotta we got to get to this one. Um, now, this is a real classic instrumental. It was number one in 1975. Gotta love this. Average white band. Pick up the pieces. And I know they've got some lyrics in there, pick up the pieces, but it's still an instrumental. And, and while I remember playing this song in the year 1975, uh, this song reminds me of that scene in uh, Swingers with uh, Vince Vaughn and John Favreau. The moving swingers, uh, the, move, the moment in, in swingers where they're all uh, walking out of the, the, the diner. Anyway, um, great movie. All right, uh, so in case you missed it, uh, this uh, happened earlier today. Robert F. Kennedy uh, has announced that he is running as a third party candidate. So, what is this going to do for the race? Uh, Robert Kennedy Jr. said that Americans are tired of the culture wars. Amen. I'm, I'm in agreement there. The culture wars, it's, it's, it's a made-up war. It's a made-up war to think that you're losing your, your culture. And it's all done for political purposes. He says Americans are ready to reclaim their freedom and independence. I agree with that. Now, Robert F. Kennedy would not be happy that I got the COVID vaccine. I haven't gotten the new one. I need, I need to get the new one. But he was, a, he was an animate anti-vaccine activist. And let's see. Um, what else does he say? Oh, he also says uh, that he is ready to, to fight uh, to help just uh, bring this, this country back. He said 80% of our country can't afford a middle-class lifestyle, which says brings about dangerous discontent. He's right about those things, but can he really change things? And it's Robert. This is something that we can talk about in, in the, you know, the coming days. But would, would this independent candidacy of uh, Robert Kennedy, uh, the experts are going to weigh in on this. Is it going to affect Trump more? Is it going to affect Biden more? And also, there's a new poll out showing that 76% of Americans think Biden is too old to run again. I still think something's going to happen or a couple of things are going to happen. And I'm not so sure we're going to end up with Biden and Trump again. So it's uh, worth uh, staying tuned and we'll be uh, talking about it. All right. Remember this song? It uh, hit number two in the Hot 100 charts, 1985. And I remember playing this on the days I was on B97. Harold Faltmeyer and... um, Axel F. Remember this? Big, big single. All instrumental. All right, I'm Scoot, and we'll be back on WWL. All right, remember this? Grazing in the Grass was uh, number one in 1968. Hugh Masekela. Yeah, this is a classic hit from the, uh, from the past. All right, uh, Sports Talk is coming up next. Actually, the, the second guest show with Bobby and Mike, live from the Silver Slipper Casino on the coast in Bay St. Louis. They're going to analyze the Saints' performance against the Patriots, LSU against Missouri. Both teams won. That is really awesome. And then don't uh, forget the Coaches Show, the Saints' Coaches Show at 6.30 with uh, Bobby and Mike Haas. And they'll talk to head coach Dennis Allen and offensive coordinator Pete Carmichael. Wow, they're going to be in a lot better mood than they were. I want to thank uh, program director and brand manager Diane Newman, market manager Kevin Cassidy, assistant program director and brand manager manager, senior producer of the Scoot on the Air Show, Ian Hoke, news anchor Chris Miller, traffic with Dave Brannon, and as always, I thank you for being part of the show. I'm Scoot. Love you, New Orleans. 
Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did.